0: Let's get right into today's episode. Canada's population has grown by over 1.2 million people in the last 12 months. Meanwhile, at the same time, only 220,000 homes were built. And to add to this, new housing starts are down 22% compared to last year. This is all coming at a time where rate cut predictions are running wild and Active inventory remains well below long-term historical averages. Mortgage rates have started coming down, and of course, they are expected to go further based on the five-year bond. We dive into this information and a lot more on today's episode and talk about how things are shaping up for what will potentially be a very interesting spring market. Now, a quick update before we get into all the details. Myself and Ryan here. Well, we run a real estate team, and we're called the Vancouver Life Real Estate Group.
1: And we've created an environment for real estate agents to thrive.
0: And we're here to share that we're looking to grow. That's right. So realtors that join our team, well, they're going to have access to leads, top tier coaching, social media training, and the modern marketing techniques it takes to be a success, no matter what the market is doing.
1: So if you're a realtor or you know a realtor who's looking to join a top producing team, please have them go to www.thevancouverlife.com forward slash join and connect with us today.
0: Okay, great. So let's dive into what's important in Canadian real estate this week. Obviously, we're talking population first. The Q3 data is in, and the growth data is definitely one for the books. Canada grew in Q3 by 431,000 people. That's a 1.1% quarterly growth rate, the highest we have seen since 1957. And this puts the annual rate at 1.25 million people over the last 12 months, equating to 3.2%. And as mentioned, while all those people came into the country, this is coming at a time where housing starts are down 22% from last year. So we're hitting record amount of people in and a dropping amount of houses being built for the same people. Now, despite all the news clips that you've probably seen recently about a few thousand homes being announced here and there, The reality is is that the current landscape does not favor developers bringing homes to market, and they're not. As we see in the data, 22% less than last year is a large deficit to to basically catch up with when we're seeing this record population growth. Even BMO came out and said, look, at the current rate of population, Canada would require 170,000 new homes built every three months. We're barely hitting that every 12 months. And that's, of course, assuming that there's an average of two and a half people living in each of these homes. All right, so back to the population now. Alberta is leading the provincial growth rate at 4.3%, a huge number. And I guess this obviously is contributing and is one of the reasons why we see Calgary with all-time high price in their real estate right now. The big growth in population was obviously predominantly in the non-permanent resident segment. We've seen that lead the way for a couple of years here now. That segment grew 313,000 people in the last three months. Year over year, we're up over 800,000 people. It's up 47% compared to the previous 12 months. Population of non-PR in all of Canada now has just hit 2.5 million people. That's almost double where it was just back in 2021. And of course, the effects of putting this many people into the country this fast, uh, these effects are still just now being realized. I mean, we've seen rental rates essentially hit all-time highs this year in in basically every province and definitely Canada. Yes, it started to peel off a little bit. But again, this is just a little bit off of, again, these all-time highs. And what other stresses do we see? on infrastructure, including, I don't know, have you been to the hospital lately? Healthcare and wait times are just seems like ever increasing and also at an all-time high here. With this all said, I think we are at or very close to kind of uh, a a peak growth rate here. I think it would be next to impossible to expect to see the same kind of growth number in the next year. And a big contributor to that reasoning is because the jobs market is pulling back. There's, there's quite a bit of a shift happening here as well within the net permanent population. So this is something to pay attention to because that metric is actually declining. So we bring in a close to about half a million people each year, but then lose about 100,000 each year for those people that are moving to somewhere hot. Maybe they're retiring, going down to Florida or, or whatever have you. That number, that metric has actually been declining since about early 2022. Almost two full years, we've seen net permanent population shrinking. A similar shift is happening in the exodus of people that are leaving British Columbia for places like Alberta. So we had 150,000 people migrated to BC since July of 2022, but almost 13,000 have moved out. This is the largest interprovincial migration loss that we've seen in 20 years. It's a big number. And yes, this is offset by the record number of people coming into the country. I get that. But it's something to pay attention to because it's insight into the sentiment and the potential future trend of life within our beautiful province of British Columbia. It's hard to live here. It's expensive to live here. We hear the stories every single day. We know the housing here is the most expensive in Canada. Whether you're owning or renting, it's the most expensive in basically North America. And so, understandably, people are starting to leave, and they they look to places like Calgary, for example. Uh, where, sorry, my phone's talking to me. Um, where Calgary, the average home price it's almost half of what we have in Vancouver. It's it's six hundred thirty five thousand compared to one point one million dollars. So understandably we may see this trend of people leaving BC at higher and higher numbers within well the upcoming months and quarters and years here. It's like
1: it's eye watering, Dan. Those numbers are incredible. And I I don't necessarily mean that in a good way, right? Like it's just it's it's kind of eye watering and the realization, I think, of that interprovincial move, I mean, th- those are people who have been here for, for some time and, and looking for a reprieve or looking to have a better standard of life somewhere else in Canada, right? And maybe actually own a piece of real estate as opposed to, to rent it. So, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me. But I think some of this will surprise you too. Uh, the job market and international students. So when we touch on... um. On this segment here, a large part of what may likely slow the rate of non prs coming to Canada next year will be a slowing job market. I mean, we've seen GDP go from, you know, a record setting 4% growth down to half a percent. So, I mean, remember when we go back, even just a year ago, there was a million job vacancies in the country. We've now shed 40% of that down to 600,000. And you got to think people won't move to places that they can't get a job or they won't receive that temporary work visa from, right? So that will certainly slow things down. And the rampant abuse of international students is being curbed as well. This is something that I think our federal government um, and a lot of institutions have turned a blind eye to and or taken advantage of. You've got to think here. The feds have just doubled the savings rate, which was at $10,000 in order to be accepted as an international student to 20000 just to be granted access. I think that's a bit of a political move. I don't think that will change things too, too much uh, because I think the problem really lies within the schools. Many for-profit schools have now been flagged as diploma mills, right? And that is, you know, many of them are not legitimate student expenses. And at the end of the day, could be considered fraud. And this needs to come to an end. So between fewer jobs and less students being admitted in 2024, we may very well be just as Dan said, the peak of our population growth for some time here. And I think It's been run kind of amok, pretty irresponsibly. So we need change. I mean, we can't keep up with this. It's doing more damage than it is anything else.
0: So understandably, a large part of the reason that there are less job vacancies today is a big portion of the million plus people that have come to the country are are taking up those jobs, and that's why they're being invited here. It it makes sense. But there's something else that's quite concerning that's bubbling up here. and going to start making some headlines, and that's how quick... And the insolvency rate of businesses is increasing. So I'm going to jump into that in a sec. But first, let's look at consumer insolvencies because this speaks to it as well. So consumer insolvencies, they're up about 26% year over year when we look at the October data. And while that is definitely sounds alarming, when you pull back, you realize that consumer insolvencies are still below pre-COVID levels. So realistically, we haven't even hit status quo there. So it's hardly any true signs of alarm there. But there are warning signs to be aware of the dollar volume of these same filings. That's what's up significantly up 90% year over year. So the insolvencies that do happen are for much larger numbers than they have been historically. And now back to businesses. When we look at business insolvencies, these are much, much worse. That metric has spiked 63% year over year, hitting the highest monthly amount of any dating back to 2011. And again, when we talk about the dollar volumes of these, the liability amount that is running over 500% higher than it was one year ago. These are massive numbers and it's the highest annual increase we've seen dating back to the global financial crisis. This is likely going to be one of the largest factors that will play into the Bank of Canada's decision-making when looking at rate cuts in the future because when businesses fail, it means the economy is failing. And that's when the BOC says, okay, we need to stimulate this. We need to make businesses able to borrow money to grow their business. All of that, of course, in spite of what may happen within the housing market. Super
1: interesting, because I think in our last pod, Dan, we talked about how the per capita GDP rate was falling like a rock. And that is exemplified here in these numbers. In fact, I was doing a pop-by at a client's house yesterday who happens to be a business accountant, and he straight up told me there's just way less money flowing through these businesses than there was even just 6, 8, 12 months ago. So there's there's big change in, in the business cycle that's that's taking place right now, and another reason why we're likely going to see more interest rate cuts coming into the new year. So let's kind of look, look forward here a little bit. So markets are continuing to expect to see significant rate cuts in 2024, up to the tune of potentially 125 basis points or 1.25%, depending on how you look at that. That ideally being by the end of the year. These expectations are being seen in the bond market. That's where we're able to see these things, right? So the five-year government bond, uh, sorry, government of Canada bond yield is continuing to drop right, which has been steadily going down since October, we're now today below 3.2%, getting close to the all-time bottom for this year, which I think was around 2.8, 2.9. This is the lowest since May. So major banks are going to have to provide deeper discounts on their fixed rate mortgages. And five-year fixed rates have fallen already, more than 50 basis points. Some insured offerings are seeing up to 100 basis point drops, some now available with a four handle. Mortgage growth, this is kind of crazy, grew at just 3.4% year over year in October, and that's the weakest level since 2001. But... There's some good news here. Signs of demand are starting to stabilize. The monthly growth rate in over the four of the fast pie, sorry, four of the past five months has been trending upwards, and you can expect this rate of growth to increase as deeper discounts become available, and of course, as we see more and more sentiment rise in the housing market. And it, when it comes to these kinds of mortgages borrowers look to have a belief in cuts as there's a sharp spike in new mortgages, but also in the variable rate option. So variable rates were at 5% of most mortgages. They're now up to 11%. Still, three and four year fixed terms are the most popular, though that's going to continue to drop as we begin to see these rate cuts and people looking to take advantage of them.
0: Yeah, we've got a few very close colleagues who are mortgage specialists or mortgage brokers, and they represent a very large catalog of of clients here. And they are saying they've been more active, they've been busier in the last two, three weeks than they've been for most of 2023. And of course, that's where the housing trade start right people get their financing in place first they go out and buy or sell or both second so the fact that the mortgage brokers in our space are saying they're seeing a significant uptick in activity leads us to believe that that of course follows by housing sales which we could see coming within those you know 60 90 120 day rate holds perfectly aligning with the spring market and everything ryan just touched on as well is also being seen in the real estate sentiment outlook which has now been rising for five straight weeks. So we can expect the mortgage market to pick up as it already kind of is. Um, and of course, people are going to use those pre-approvals, likely targeting the first or second rate cut, which right now is, is looking like March, April kind of thing. There are some important things to know as we go into 2024 here. Inventory levels are still tight across most of the country and definitely here in, in Greater Vancouver. So even after we've had 18 months of high interest rates, 18 months of well below average sales volumes, we're still barely above four months of inventory across Canada. And for reference, that is a lower amount of homes available than any point from 2010 to 2020. There are less homes available today, even after everything I just talked about with the high rates and the low sales. And, yeah, it's, it's quite fascinating. And keep in mind, during that time of 2010 to 2020, when there were more homes available than there are today, home prices increased an average of 6% a year. And there were millions less people in the country at that time as well. So a very kind of fascinating landscape when you compare it to what things were like uh, 10, 13 years ago. When we look at affordability, after hitting an all-time high in average mortgage payment required to buy your typical home in Canada, Uh, At 80% low into value back in August, the unaffordability kind of peaked out in August. It was the most you'd ever had to pay in history for a typical mortgage. That metric has now dropped um, since then, $182, another $37 since just last month. So we've got prices, home prices are trending down uh, nationally everywhere, I think, except Calgary right now. Interest rates are looking to drop in 2024. Housing starts are down 22%. Inventories at, you know, incredibly low levels right now, what do those major driving factors lead you to believe what could happen in the spring market? You know, it kind of feels like the writing's on the wall and yes, a million different variables can happen between now and then, but these are some of the biggest driving factors that send prices up or down. And right now they're kind of setting up to push at least activity levels upwards come spring.
1: Yeah, let's not get too too excited though because there are some inherent risks still very present in the economy, many of which we've touched on, but let's also take a look at inflation as well because there's a very real risk that we will see uh r- inflation I guess reaccelerate. This week the print came in at 3.1%, right? And that was unchanged from the last one. However, beat expectations and not in a positive way. Uh, expectations were 2.8, 2.9%, and it held at 3.1. Although there are many indicators such as you know core inflation, which plays, I think, the largest factor in the BOC's decision-making process, it rose 0.4% month over month, but there's other leading indicators that are coming down, right? So this pushed the three-month change to 1%, so core is running at 3.6% year over year. However, that's still well above the, the target band of that one to 3%. So the BEOC <laughs> will keep a close eye on this. Uh, however, I think, you know, we've got to be careful. December, we're going to show likely an increase in spending and in potentially an increase in activity, economic activity, everyone buying gifts and things like that. So there will be some surge Uh, although I doubt it will be a huge number, uh, because as we head into January, that number will likely fall uh, quite dramatically as well. So remember, last year, it dropped 0.6%. And as the year over year turns over, unless we see a significant drop in CPI this month, we'll go back to those base effect results again, right? So though it should drop be prepared it may be a little bit longer than anticipated we'll see so much of this is is unknown and depends on what takes place over the next month month or two here
0: yeah so one more time here i want to talk about mortgage renewals because it's kind of it's it's a lot of the sort of buzz term right now because a lot of people believe that as 2024 and twenty five come along and people that got their mortgages in the twos are now renewing in the sixes and it's going to be the collapse of the real estate market. Well, that's fine. That's that's one opinion. And, and I'm going to share a different one. So, yes, while there are many people who are unquestionably stretched with their payments, the data speaks to a reality and non likelihood of any kind of significant fall in prices or, or definitely not foreclosures. As of today, we've seen about fifty percent, about half of all mortgages have either seen an increase in their price, like in their payment, uh, like obviously all the uh, variable payment, variable, excuse me, all, all the uh, non-fixed payment variable mortgages out there, um, or the ones that have been renewed. Fifty percent, one in two mortgages. The result uh, of half of these mortgages having higher payments has resulted in a zero point zero one percent increase in the arrears rate almost non-existent as well. And and it's it's back to where it was in January when rates were actually lower than they are today. And how about those court-ordered sales that people have been holding out for? Well, I just checked 10 minutes ago and across all of GVRD, if we look at every condo and every detached house, there is a grand total of 62 court-ordered sales in all of GVRD right now. It's lower than it was last year. So that hasn't happened yet. Now, yes, the reality is as time goes on, more and more of these mortgages renew and will be a lot harder for, for more, right? It's going to trickle through and, and we're going to see how it all pans out. But the reality is too here, a 50% half that have already seen that increase, it's a pretty significant test size to demonstrate what I believe the next 50% will presumably look like. We also have this bank charter in place now that's designed to help mortgage owners with their renewals. And it, it seems, well, it's never certain, but it seems likely that interest rates are going to come down next year, making it further more palatable, if you will, for these people who are renewing. So I think the renewal wall or whatever these pundits are calling it these days will almost be non-existent. Uh, Do you remember the mortgage deferral cliff that was going to crash the real estate market back in 2021? Well, that was an absolute nothing burger. And I predict relatively the same for the renewals over the next two years. Love my position or hate it. It is my position. And uh, again, I I thought the mortgage deferral cliff was going to be nothing. I think I was pretty right on that one. We'll see how things pan out in the next couple of years here. One last thing uh, or stat I feel that kind of further galvanizes this prediction of of no real crash due to the renewals, excuse me, is while Canada is undoubtedly one of the most indebted in the world with one of the highest household debt service ratios, Uh, Canada also has an incredibly high debt-to-asset ratio. For every $1 in debt the average Canadian is, they also have $6.50 in assets. And yes, much of this is tied to housing, but it demonstrates the ability to pay for that same housing. Keep in mind, people always will pay that mortgage first. They'll stop paying the car, they'll stop paying their credit card, they'll stop going on vacation. They will keep the roof over their head. We see it time and time again. We're going to see a reduction in consumer spending. We're going to see those business insolvencies, which will have long lasting and challenging effects, but they're going to happen with the vast majority of people paying their mortgages. That's my take, Ryan. Uh, I'm open to any opposing thoughts here from I don't you or dis- from the comment section.
1: <laughs> You'll get them in the comment section, that's for sure. But with that being said, I I'd actually don't disagree. I-, I-, I largely agree. And, you know, we have. Uh, a number of ways of of looking at this. One, uh, based on all of the stats that we uh, analyze consistently throughout the year, but also from boots on the ground metrics from our teams, from our, you know, financers, from uh, a plethora of different sources. I think, you know, 2023 is going to kind of come about as a year That was unpredictable. I think with interest rates having gone where they went, I think a lot of people felt like housing prices here would have dropped more than they did, but they didn't. And I think that that speaks to the second part, which is the resiliency of the Vancouver market. And at the end of the day when you have 50% of homeowners in Vancouver that do not have a mortgage the overall economy has to suffer tremendously which the federal government will only allow to happen for so long and these home sellers or would be home sellers won't sell in this time frame right and a lot of this money that i think is locked up in equity is also getting passed down to their children through gifts so is it really that big of a surprise that we didn't see prices drop in Vancouver like many thought would? Or were we all really trying to look for a narrative that fit what was going on in a greater economy? And I think that's a really important piece is to consider that Vancouver outperforms so many times the national averages and all of the statistics that you hear across newspapers. So it's really, really important to continue to pay attention to the people who are in the industry, the people who are seeing it firsthand. And remember, the stats back this up. They're imperfect in many ways. But as Dan has listed so many of them, you know, today, you can't ignore the facts. And that's just where we find ourselves today.
0: Perfect and, and well said. Appreciate all that. And, and speaking of, you know, where people thought the prices were going to go this year, ourselves included, well, we're excited that next week we are going to do our 2023 recap and oh, review God. the predictions that we made back in January. <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I was way off on prices. I did not expect home prices to be up, you know, five percent year over year. Um, I think I, I think I said they'd end up flat, but we'll we'll get into that. So super excited to bring that episode to you next week. And as we never take a week off on the following week january 6 we'll rip through the december stats that'll be out by then and give you our 2024 predictions obviously hard to predict anything more than about three hours out in this economy it feels like but uh we'll, we'll do our best for entertainment reasons if nothing else so thanks as always for tuning in have a wonderful holiday season and we look forward to seeing you again next week
1: that wraps up this edition of the vancouver life podcast